more particularly the wonderful city of Bristol. Any of you ever in our community, we'd love to have you come and visit with us. First Timothy chapter 1 and, uh, sorry, First Timothy chapter 3. Well, if I'd have been in chapter 1, everybody would have been standing on their ears, wouldn't they? Chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 14. Sincere appreciation to this church for spending and being spent to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the edifying, encouraging, building up of the saints of God through the years in this conference and in many other ways. Your faith is generosity is spoken of in many places, and I want you to never forget that. You are running well. Do not let anything hinder you. God's blessings on you, and thank you for all you do for us old saved sinners. Verse 14 of 1 Timothy 3, Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. The apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is telling this young pastor at Ephesus, you just need to behave wisely and see that the church behaves properly because there is a tendency of all of us to go astray and turn everyone to our own way. Now, I say that with the reality of experience, personal, as well as knowledge that I have seen in the lives of other Baptists down through the years. Anyone who thinks they stand and cannot slip is in a very presumptuous and precarious position because if we think we cannot and we know exactly how to behave ourselves uh, then the Lord might allow Satan to sift us and end up asking us now do you really love me or not so Timothy behave yourself in the house of God because it is the church of the living God. And it is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, if the churches of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be the pillar and ground of the truth, if we do not earnestly contend for the faith, 
as it was once delivered to the saints, who shall? We cannot expect Roman Catholicism nor her harlot daughter's Protestantism who do not even know the truth. They cannot be a support or a promoter of the truth of the Word of God. The New Testament was inspired by God the Holy Spirit to Baptists It was designed to make out of every saved person Baptists. Everyone who is not walking in accord with the church that Jesus Christ established with material that was baptized by a Baptist sent from heaven with the authority to baptize is walking contrary to the example and the teachings as well as direct commands of the Holy Word of God. You say, preacher, are you saying they're not saved? I didn't say that, did I? All I said was that God's children don't always obey Him. Nor do I. Nor you. But God being my helper, if I can keep my mind right in His grace, I'll be a Baptist when I die. I might no telling what I might do before then, but God will help me. I'll be that. I cannot do much and have never done much for my Lord. But I tell you, there's joy to me when they say, let's go to the house of God. I like to meet with Him and His people, and I rejoice in it. This Bible, this New Testament in particular, was designed by God not only to make Baptists, but to instruct Baptists on all matters of faith and practice. The New Testament came to and was maintained through Baptist churches known by different names for almost two millennium now. Almost two millennium, almost 2,000 years. And should we lay it aside now? Shall we abandon what our forefathers have bled and died, gave their children and wives for? You know what happens to churches? They begin with just a little something. Let's just give this up. It's no big thing. Well, maybe it isn't. But then what's next? You know what happens when you start to compromise? You continue to compromise. If every generation since the days of Jesus Christ of the Lord's churches had given up just one little thing, we'd be lost in the obscurity of nothingness today. And unless and except the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ stay firm and contend without apology and without fear or shame for every jot and tittle of God's Word that instructs His churches on how they ought to act and behave themselves, then the truth will be falling in the street. And we don't want that. 
We don't want that. Pillar, Webster of 1828 Dictionary, which I like much better than anything recent, says that a pillar is a supporter, that which sustains and upholds, that on which some superstructure rests. And the truth is a superstructure. It is the superest structure, our superior structure. There is nothing better, nothing higher, nothing greater, nothing more important than the truth of God's holy word. Ground, Webster says, is a foundation. That which supports the pillar. I was in construction about all of my life, one form or another. And I can tell you right now, you can build a beautiful looking structure. But if it don't have a good ground or footing, it'll fall. And you can build story on top of story on top of story. But if you don't have some supporting walls to hold it up, it'll fall. And great will be the fall thereof. God help us that we might see that. And the truth that the churches is to be the pillar and ground thereof, to me, is the entire body of truth that God inspired through the authors, 66 canon of His holy inspired Word. And with that in view, let's think some about the theme of our conference of the importance of the church being the pillar and ground of the truth. It's important that a church be the pillar and ground of the truth because for false teachers that enter into the Lord's church. You know, my heart's concern about false teachers is not about those out there. I do care. I do pray. I do try. But my heart breaks when a church that has been a sound church yields or gives to someone who's not a lover, supporter, and preacher of the truth of the Word of God. And I mean all of it. I don't think any church should settle for anything less than what they believe. A pastor needs to be sounder and stronger than the church. A pastor will make a church stronger or it will make it weaker. Now that's all there is to it. And I'm not a fan of someone coming into one of the Lord's churches and saying, well, I, I'm going to teach them, bring them on. Got some former members here, and I'm going to tell you right now, I can bear witness that I've told more than one when they said, we'd like to join your church, I said, if you think you're here to straighten us out and you're God's gift to us, you move on. We don't want you. And I was telling them God's honest truth because they're going to get excluded. All they got to do is just start third strife. You understand me. Two traitors in the Lord's church can do more damage and harm to the Lord's church than 2,000 outsiders attacking it. 
The Apostle Paul in Acts 20, that glorious passage of Scripture where he called for the elders from the church at Ephesus to come and meet with him because he had some wise inspired counsel to tell them. And he said to those preachers in the church at Ephesus, take heed, that is be careful, watch out. Be aware, be alert. Know what's going on. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to... Here's a three-letter word that every pastor ought to just burn into his eyes. All. Not one or two, but all the flock. Pastor, dare not have a greater love, concern, or any for one member than another. Amen. You just can't do that. Amen. Some need more attention than others. And you have more time in talking with some than others. But I found out some of them don't even want you around. And some of them would like for you to move in with them. You just need to be what the flock needs. But it needs to be all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now listen to this admonition, preachers. For I know this. Did he say this could happen? Did God the Holy Spirit inspire Paul to say, eh, this probably won't, but you know, you just ought to be aware about it anyway. No, God told him, I know this is going to happen. That after my departing shall grievous wolves. This picture that is given here is a picture of a piece of a flock of sheep being fed and grazing in a green pasture with still waters and everything's great, and then all of a sudden here comes a pack of ravenous wolves in. And they start attacking, and you know what they start with? The weakest or the lame, the diseased. But they don't stop there. Their drive is to divide Degrade to destroy. They cause division. They come in under the guise of helping. And all the time they're only after their own wants and wishes and don't care for the flock at all. They don't spare it. Grievous wolves shall enter in among you. not sparing the flock. The attack that Satan wants in one of his churches is not outside. But it's to cause trouble within. I've often said, in this world I expect fights and battles. But it's hard when it's in the house of God. That's what tires your hearts out. 
puts hair white in your head. Tears wet your pillow. Driven to God because you don't know what to do. Many times, Baptists have the same old nature and pride of the Epicureans and the Stoics, whether they know it or not. Preacher, we're not happy with those old paths. We want to hear some new things. Well, let me tell you something. If somebody comes with some new thing, he didn't get it from God's Word almost every time. Do you understand that Baptists have been studying and been preaching this Bible for you know, you know almost 2,000 years? And now here comes somebody along that got more insight and knowledge and understanding than the apostles who God used to inspire. I don't buy that foolishness. You've got something new. You better watch out because it's probably branded made in Rome. And when the religious world don't buy anything that's stamped made in Rome... Truth come from Jerusalem and lie and error come from Rome. Almost unconditionally. The Lord Jesus Christ warned His church about the destroying influences that would come to bind and bear upon them. It is the duty of not only the pastor but every member of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a pillar and ground of the truth. You should demand that your pastor preach nothing but the truth. Your pastor should demand that no one teach anything but the truth. And the church body as a whole should not permit talking and spreading of heresy among the members. No place in the Lord's church for error and heresy. She's the pill and ground of the truth. And that's all. Nothing else. May God enable us to realize and work to the end that we may maintain the purity and the sound words of the doctrines of God's holy word. I have no earthly idea when the word doctrine became so nasty and dirty. I don't. You do understand that it is a good biblical word, don't you? Yeah, a lot of times. (laughs) Yeah, it's not just there once. Church needs to be the pillar and ground of truth, not only because there's false teachers that even come in among us, but secondly, church needs to be the pillar and ground of the truth because it is the God-ordained way to save and to keep His children from error. The purity of the gospel is the only gospel that has ever saved a sinner. There's never been one sad story about old Yeller dying that saved a soul. 
Never been one tear-jerking invitation that ever saved a soul. There's never been one long song that ever saved a soul. God said that there's only one thing in the whole universe that he put power in to save. And that's not stories. It's not gimmicks. It's not tricks. And it's not signing cards. And it's not walking the aisle. And it's not emotionalism. It's not sensationalism. It's just the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. How that Jesus Christ died for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15, first three or four verses there, has the purity of the gospel. And when that is presented, it does not need the assistance of man-made means and methods and manners. If that doesn't save, they won't be saved even though one be raised from the dead. Do you believe that? That's what Luke said. That's what the, uh, Abraham told a rich man in hell. He said, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, and what did Jesus say they testified of? Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they testify of me. That's what Moses and the prophets told about, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they won't hear the gospel, they will not be saved. And it has to be the purity of the gospel. God's word is mighty clear that there's not but one gospel. If anyone come unto you and bring another gospel which you have not received, even if it's an angel from heaven, let him be accursed. That didn't mean let him come on and preach, did it? That didn't mean follow him, did it? Didn't mean support him, did it? That didn't mean pat him on the back and say, good boy, good boy. Baptists need to realize that salvation really is of the Lord. And that it really is His Word and His Word alone that will ever save. The purity of the gospel is the way God is ordained to save those who believe. And then also we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says to young Timothy... Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. What? The doctrine. Why? Can you read those next words? For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Pastors, you want to save your people from error? Teach them the truth. Clear, plain, words easy to be understood. Now, I'm just an old dumb country boy. I acknowledge that. Raised up, this ain't no offense to us, sis. Raised up in the river bottoms of Yadkin County. And there's just few of us know what that means. But you ought to be able to guess by the name Yadkin. There's something about it. Okay? 
But when someone gets up and preaches, he may be so eloquent, he may be so learned, but if I don't understand what he's saying, he might as well have been speaking in Greek as far as I'm concerned. If I don't understand what he says, he may be speaking English, but it sure did not edify me any. We don't need something higher than the Word of God. You know, and it's not even written <laughs> hardly on high school level. It's not hard to understand. And yet people want to complicate it and come out with great words that are meaningless to us, or me anyway. Keep it where I can hear it. And I know what you're saying. I asked God when I first I thought he was dealing with me to preach, Lord, help me that I might preach so people understand what I mean, whether they believe it or not. Now, you people might not agree with me, but they ought to know what I'm saying when I get done and what I mean, what I believe. I lived in Bluntville. And I like that kind of preaching. Blunt. To the point. If you take heed to the doctrine, you will save them that hear you. Deceiving teachers shroud heresy in words that are not easy to be understood and yet they seem so polished and educated that the gullible will follow them, not knowing what they're following nor whom. And that has been a way of Satan for promoting lies and other heresies in, since then. 2 Timothy 3.13, I'll just read it. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know who this letter was written to? That same man's pastor at Ephesus, Timothy. Timothy, your pastor, you need to know that evil men, seducers, are going to become more prevalent, more popular, and they're going to get worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. I flipped the TV on the motel room this morning. And in just going by, I saw some Dan Phillips who pastored where I'm at. I always called them dingalings. I asked him one time what he meant by that term because it didn't mean anything to me. You know. He said that means they're lowering a cockroach. I don't know if that's right or not, but anyway. I'd rather have cockroaches in God's house than something like this on that. Now, I'm telling you that right now. He was on there begging, begging, how that if you'll send me some money, God will give you more. And I thought I'd write that man a letter and say, look, if you sow seed and God gives you a hundred times what you give, send me a million or so, so you can get a hundred million and you won't have to beg. I mean, if he really believed that, all he's got to do is start giving people money and God will give him a hundred times what he gives. That's a ding-a-ling. I'd rather have a church infested of cockroaches than that. I had. But the buddy, 
they are getting more and more popular. The church being the pillar and ground of truth is important because of the power and the weakness of the flesh that God's children still have to battle. We've got to be reminded again and again and again. The Apostle Peter says, for me to write these things unto you again, it's not grievous to me. For though you know them, I'm going to keep reminding you less what? You let it slip. Less you let it slip. I believe the Apostle Paul was a man who lived close to God. I believe he was a man who gave himself wholly and devotedly to the service and glory of Jesus Christ. I believe he was a lot better man than I am. And yet in Romans 7, he talked about himself in pure honesty. He said, oh, in me, that's in my flesh, there's just nothing good. You know what he said about himself? He said, for when I would do good, I find another member warring against me. And if I don't maintain the truth, then I find that what I would, that I do not. And what I would not, that's what I do. He said, I'm such a wretched man. How and who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He said, I got one hope. I thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that when a church fails to be the pillar ground of the truth, do you know who you're disappointing? You're ahead. Do you know who you're dishonoring? You're ahead. Do you know who you're disobeying? You're ahead. You know who will judge you for it? Not me, not even Paul Jackson to Landmark Baptist Church. He's going to give a report to the Lord about you, but he won't judge his report. But Jesus will. Preacher, does it really matter if the church stands firm? Huh? We live in a day in which we see the prophecy of Isaiah in 5.20 being fulfilled before our very eyes. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. (laughs) Put darkness for light and light for darkness and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We're there. We live in a day when... Sodomy is right and opposing is wrong. Murdering babies is right and opposing it is wrong. When everything is to be tolerated except the truth of God's Word. When that which is sweet, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is viewed as bitter and attempt to put it down. 
The Apostle Paul speaks again and again of the times that would come, the last days, they're going to be perilous times, they're going to be dangerous times, and he defines it and he warns us. They're coming. And there's going to be a price to pay for standing. For the truth of God's word, I've got to quit. It's important that the church be the pillar and ground of the truth because God put a sacred trust in his church, which my son preached about yesterday, the Great Commission. The Lord's church, great duty in the church capacity. You hear me what I said? As the church is assembled, is to teach the people to observe not what's popular. You know, observe means to do, <laughs> practice. It's not just to learn and look at, but it's to do all the things. Well, some of them are not so popular. Some of them are not so easy. You can change a bit. Everything God said do, the church needs to be the pillar and ground of it, for it's the truth. Thank you, Brother Jackson.